0: Welcome to the 74 and West Exclusives Podcast. Today, we are talking about energy. Not just any energy, but green energy. We're talking about the grid. Not just how it's failing, but how it can be saved, upgraded, made efficient, and sustainable. This is not just some pipe dream. The work is happening. And one of the people at the forefront of this work is our guest. His name is...
1: Donal Baird.
0: And he is the founder and CEO of Block Power, which
1: is a clean energy startup or a climate tech startup. And we focus on analyzing and financing and installing and monitoring um, all electric, smart, green, healthy equipment upgrades in buildings. So we facilitate sustainability upgrades and renovations in buildings and their energy equipment. And. You know, I like to say that we're turning turning buildings into Teslas. meaning the same way that Tesla is taking the fossil fuel uh, engine out of automobiles. We're taking fossil fuel equipment out of buildings and replacing it with smarter software enabled, uh, greener, healthier equipment um, that is less expensive operationally and better for the environment and better for health.
0: I was curious about the name Block Power, so I asked Danelle about it.
1: I've never. I haven't been asked this question in like almost ten years. So it's a great question. Um, power has two meanings, and block has two meanings, right? So power refers to power for energy and electricity, but it also refers to the political power that's needed to pass climate legislation, to clean energy. You create political power, and you create actual electrical power, uh, and the block. Together, But it also refers to a demographic block building a coalition of clean energy voters and advocates who will push to pass clean energy policy. Um, and so both the block and the power have two meanings. And that's that's how we came up with the
0: name for Danelle. This is personal, and not just because he's the CEO of Block Power, but because the inspiration really goes back to when he was a child, growing up in Brooklyn.
1: Our apartment building in Brooklyn um, did not have a functioning heating and cooling system. and so it was super duper hot during the summer, and we were always told to go outside and you know go to the local public school system to get free lunch, but also get free air conditioning uh, so they kept the schools open. During, during summer, and then during the winter, it didn't have any heat that worked. And so we used to, we and our neighbors would heat our apartments using the oven. Uh, we would turn on the oven and open up the oven door and crack a window to release the carbon monoxide because we just didn't have a functioning heating and cooling system in our building. And that, you know, that's the way it was for us and for all of our neighbors. I mean, it was, it was a while before I realized that that wasn't how normal people heated their buildings during the winter. From the oven because that's what me and all my friends and neighbors did. Um, and so, for me, pretty early on, you started to realize the inefficiencies of energy uh, in a home and how uncomfortable it can make you um, if, if it wasn't quite right
0: and how unhealthy
1: it could be. Um, and as I got older and became an adult and went to college, I started to see well, it wasn't just my family, it was all of our neighbors but in, in cities across America there was an energy inequality.
0: And that's key, inequality, because what Danell is working on is not just environmental, but it's an issue that has to do with equity.
1: Yeah, it's all about equity. Um, it's all about equity, and it's all about unequal access to technology, in this case, heating and cooling infrastructure and energy infrastructure and building. Um, which buildings have it? Which buildings don't? Which buildings are able to access capital to, to, to purchase technology and, and maintenance and sustainability assessments and sustainability services? Um, it's about equity, but I also think it's about self preservation because we want to make sure that everyone has access to great, affordable solar, and renewable electricity and great energy systems for their buildings that are healthy and green, we need that to create jobs. We need that to create social equity, but we also need that, we need to spread the benefits of clean energy infrastructure across America so that we have a broad, multiracial, diverse, multi-class constituency that's enjoying the benefits of clean energy in America and therefore are willing to support it politically.
0: And see, politics and policy has so much to do with this issue. After college, Donnell worked in the Brownsville neighborhood of Brooklyn as a community organizer, and he got to see how the city and state were spending money in that area.
1: We did a policy analysis of where all of the tax dollars in the neighborhood were going. You know, Brownsville is one of the poorest neighborhoods in New York, and Mike Tyson grew up there. I mean, he's emblematic of just brutal brutal neighborhood at the time the neighborhood did not have uh, a public high school that was available to the kids in the neighborhood so they all had to leave and go to other neighborhoods there was no high school in this neighborhood however there was a juvenile detention facility and so if you're like a five or six year old kid growing up in this neighborhood going to elementary school the the government uh, the you know the city and state government didn't expect you to go to high school and finish, right? They expected you to go to the juvenile detention facility. That was the clear message.
0: This sounds sociological, but what it also comes down to is investments.
1: What was interesting to us is how many millions of dollars were being invested and spent and budgeted according to producing these kinds of outcomes. And so when I was starting out as a community organizer, I didn't understand that It costs millions and millions of dollars to incarcerate people, or to—I'm going to use the term over-police, which may be uh, a little bit controversial. Um, But what 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 I mean is what I mean by it is simply if you're sending a bunch of people to jail for small amounts of marijuana on their person, we've all, in a bipartisan way, decided that that's not good public policy, and we're we're all rolling back laws to send people to jail for having small amounts of marijuana on their person. So if you're spending a bunch of money on, you know, sending people to jail because they have a little bit of marijuana and um, you're spending so much money that you have to build a jail in the neighborhood to contain everyone and you're not spending money on schools or job training or small business development or providing, uh, you know, angel investment checks to local entrepreneurs. These are policy choices about where we're choosing to invest our money to create the kinds of outcomes uh, in the future that, that we want to optimize for. And
0: As Danell says,
1: you could kind of see, well, oh, this neighborhood is almost structurally designed to invest and produce negative outcomes for people. And if we want to fix it, we have to redesign the way we're making investment.
0: Fast forward to today and Block Power is doing exactly that. In fact, One of the current projects, Danelle explains.
1: We're working with the school system right now in Jersey City. They don't have functioning air conditioning. So, you know, it's like 90 degrees, uh, 98 degrees, I think, in in, in New Jersey last week. How are kids supposed to learn in a classroom where it's 90 something degrees and there's no air conditioning? Like, how can you learn anything? And this is 2021 in America.
0: But it's not necessarily the future of America.
1: This unequal distribution of energy is something that's solvable and we gotta make sure that it's solvable in a in a in a in a way that uh, is good for the environment and, and, and helps reduce greenhouse gas emissions.
0: Something like that is going to need mass appeal. But Donnell already sees that happening.
1: Yeah, that's right. The Ford F one fifty is the is the greatest selling vehicle in America and Ford just came out with an all electric F one fifty, right? President Biden was driving one the other day, having a ball. That's what we need. Um, we need it to be for everybody. And what's interesting is, you know, you have folks in rural Montana. I have friends in Montana. And they're excited about the pickup truck, not because of the environmental benefits, but because they know that they can plug the truck into their house. And if there's a blackout in the electricity grid, they can run their, their house from the backup battery system in the truck for three days. And so that's a clean energy benefit to these conservative and Republican, you know, farmers out in Montana. They're not buying the truck because it's good for the environment per se. You know, that's important to them, but it's secondary or tertiary. They're buying the truck because it's a good truck, it's fast, powerful, and it provides backup power, um, which, you know, for people who live off the grid or have intermittent power, that's really important.
0: In other words, EVs are becoming less niche they're becoming less gimmicky. They're simply just a good practical option.
1: Um, To me, the concept um, applies to a lot of fossil fuel infrastructure the way that we think about it in our business, right? I mean, a building owner can invest when they get a new heating system in a fossil fuel system that is going to keep them on fossil fuels for another 20 to 25 years, or they can invest in a clean energy system, right? And where they choose to make... That, that investment is going to have a different set of financial and environmental returns and outcomes. And our job is to make it easy for them to have an option to invest in clean energy.
0: And these options can't be on the table fast enough. Five years ago, Danell gave a talk and he predicted that there was going to be blackouts and other issues with the grid. I asked him now, five years later, looking back, have things been as bad as he thought they'd be? Better? Worse?
1: Uh, things have been worse. I mean, I, uh, I'm going to take my first trip post-pandemic out to San Francisco to meet um, some with some of our investors and give them the update and do, do some meetings out there. We have some new staff people who I've never met, so I'm going to try to meet them. It's fire season out in San Francisco. What does that mean? It means that the, the droughts and forest fires that accompany the droughts in the California Bay Area and in L.A., have been so persistent over the last few years that the odds are that there's going to be giant forest fires. And when I step off the plane in San Francisco, what I'm used to seeing when I travel out there in the summer is, you know, plumes of smoke and smog from whatever local forest fires going on. And, um, you know, people are wearing masks, not for COVID-19, but so that they don't breathe in all the smog. And that's been happening in San Francisco at the airport for the last three years. Because the electricity grid, uh, you know, it has so many forest fires that there's all these blackouts because they're trying to prevent additional forest fires because the electricity wires are actually burning down trees that are super dry because of the drought. Meanwhile, in New York City, uh, you know, Jennifer Lopez was giving a concert at Madison Square Garden, you know, two years ago. In the middle of the concert, there's a giant blackout that went from Manhattan all the way to parts of Brooklyn. 30,000 people lost power for a week, you know, the middle of New York city in the middle of a JLo concert. And so, um, unfortunately, uh, all of the concerns that folks had that the electricity grid is deteriorating have come true. And now it's worse. I mean, we have cyber hackers from around the world who are hacking into the grid and we got to shut down half of the grid. Uh, uh, for, 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 you know, the, the mid-Atlantic region of the United States because hackers are coming into our old grid and our old infrastructure and hacking into it and disrupting it. So, you know, I'm not sure that we've made the kind of investment that we need um, to, to kind of keep up.
0: So we've lost ground. But perhaps with all these high-visibility situations happening, there is an opportunity, as Danelle says.
1: Look, I think there is an opportunity, right, to say, okay, we gotta, we gotta fix this. We can't, we cannot be in a situation where half of California is burning down every year. The state of Maryland doesn't have energy because of cyber attackers. The city of Houston doesn't have any power for a week or two because of the failing energy grid. It's time in a bipartisan way to invest in America's energy grid. And, and by the way, it's invest in broadband and close the digital divide. And it's time to invest in American infrastructure. And that needs to be cleaner, greener, you know, smart infrastructure for everybody.
0: Of course, that's going to take the cooperation of the government. And Donnell says right now they're not exactly helping.
1: You know, I, I got asked to go down. I got asked to go testify to Congress on a clean energy bill that was in front of the House of Representatives. The Democrats had their point of view. Hey, we need clean energy and new clean energy jobs. And the Republicans had their point of view, which is like, look, we, you know, there's coal miners in, in our district in West Virginia who lost their jobs. And they, you know, the solar jobs that are being created don't pay well enough. And it is too risky to try to move the entire economy from fossil fuels to clean energy we need to make investments in strengthening the fossil fuel grid and the energy system through the existing structures, um, and retrain all these coal workers to do that instead of trying to train them to electric vehicle chargers and, and, um, solar panels and stuff like that, right? So, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. It was a food fight, right? I mean, <laughs> I remember, uh, the congressperson from Texas who was there, uh, and the congressperson from, california initially they were both absent and then one of the witnesses or said something about the state of texas and the, the, the republican from texas runs back and he comes to the microphone and he goes excuse me i'm sorry to be late but i i heard that that there were comments that were disparaging the great state of texas and so i i left my other meeting to rush over here to to, to defend the reputation of the great state of texas and you know, what happened in Houston with this blackout is because we haven't been investing in natural gas and it's windmills that froze and and, and threw Houston into chaos. And, you know, we're doing a much better job in Texas than they're doing in California. And so then the, the Democrat from California hears that the guy from Texas is talking trash about him and he runs back and he goes, oh, I heard I heard that my colleague from Texas was disparaging the great state of california and our energy system and saying our energy prices are too high but in california we've been leading the nation in this and that and you know texas is terrible and california's great pretty pretty childish back and forth stuff while the real issue is that they're both right the energy system in texas sucks the energy system in california sucks the coal miners in west virginia they are unemployed, they have black lung, And no, the jobs in the solar industry that are being created for them do not pay enough for them to keep up the lifestyles that they've had as coal miners. Those are
0: just facts. And Donnell is pragmatic when it comes to the facts. And he appreciates the fact that there really are a lot of points of view.
1: Very, very, very smart people who are serious can disagree as to the mix of investments we should be making in fossil fuels versus renewable energy, right? Because the cost of batteries isn't quite low enough to install batteries all over the country and run the whole country off renewable energy. Right? So, so very, very smart people can disagree on this, but we don't, our public policy conversations down in Congress are not, are not very, very smart. They're like childish and tribal and, Um, not really focused on solving the real problem.
0: The key has to be compromised, he says.
1: Environmentalists may need to be willing to negotiate and say, well, we can't get 100% of the clean energy policy that we want, but can we get 70%? Can we get 63%, right? Like, what can we get um, that moves the ball forward and makes progress so that we can lay a new foundation for the American economy?
0: Fortunately, when it comes to industry, businesses, there may be a positive trend.
1: Yeah, I think there's a macro trend in in the leaders of capital markets, right? Like everybody's not doing it, right? I'm not going to pretend that all of BlackRock is now, you know, a haven for ESG. But the fact that the leader of BlackRock is talking about ESG so publicly, month after month, year after year, you know, billions of dollars are being raised and deployed. Into ESG investments, capital is looking for ESG investments, and that's going to build out the, the infrastructure and capacity of ESG investing. And I do think that it's it's a it's a new form of capitalism that we're going to move away from this like shareholder primacy nonsense that they invented in the 70s, and move back to a more like ethical and comprehensive uh, form of capitalism. That really incorporates ESG principles. And I, I I do believe that. I think there's a generational shift here. I think as as capital is becomes more and more controlled by millennials and gen gen Generation X, um, that we have a different set of investment principles that include ESG as a baseline. And I do expect over time that shift is real and structural. I think the question is on climate. Do we have enough time?
0: And as Danell indicated, there's a real intersection between the issue of the environment and the issue of equity.
1: Yeah, I think that I think that investors are interested in a genuine way, or mm, many investors, not all of them, but some, uh, 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 you know, uh, some segment of investors are interested in investing in diverse bis- businesses, and then. Um, there are people who want to invest in more environmentally sustainable businesses.
0: And of course, they want to invest in profitable businesses.
1: On the environment side, these businesses are outperforming. I mean, people have lost a lot of money in oil and gas investments over the last five years. Um, And so for a while, you know, Trump was trying to prop things up or whatever. But now the asset class, you know, they're just losing money investing in oil and gas. So people are moving to renewable energy. And it seems like there's more capital than there is supply of deals or companies or projects. Um, there's more interested in capital, but the capital has constraints, right? If they want an 18% return on their capital, you know, from a renewable energy investment, you know, that's possible and that's doable, but there's only going to be so many of those. So what we need is for capital that can take a 4% return or a 5% return. Um, and it's stable.
0: Of course, there always is that question of whether something's, Just good PR or if they really care?
1: Yeah, there is a genuine desire, uh, not in venture capital. That's that's all hype and trash and lies and PR, like they're they're not changing what they're doing. But um, in corporate America, corporate um, investments and corporate partnerships are looking to diversify their supply chain, are looking to sign contracts with minority, with women-owned businesses and veteran-owned businesses and looking to support the growth of diverse businesses across America. And that's a genuine, I mean, when you look at our company, we got Goldman Sachs, we got Salesforce. We have our most important lead investor, um, Ampham, who is the most important investor in our recent round of financing and kicked everything off. They're, They're an insurance company, right, in Madison, Wisconsin. And they wanted to lead the round of Block Power, you know, a diverse founder, clean energy company from the East Coast out of New York. And so there is this real commitment and appetite and interest on the part of corporate America in moving forward. Um, again, I think the venture capital, Silicon Valley stuff, that that's mostly hype. They, they aren't changing what they're doing. They're still looking for the next like Mark Zuckerberg.
0: But what about the big behemoth energy companies that have been around forever?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think with the big oil and gas and fossil fuel companies, Uh, My buddy Van Jones would say, like, these people have a different kind of energy. He's like, you know, see, look, these people, they burn dead things for a living. They, like, dig up the ground, find dead stuff, and burn it. Like, that's what they do. That's what they're about. Like, they just have a different kind of energy than the people who want to, you know, run the economy off of wind and solar. My other advisor, Jigger Shaw, who's been a great mentor to us, would say... The oil and gas people have a tremendous amount of technical skills and expertise. Like, look, I was telling you about going into your backyard and digging a hole in the ground to unlock the power of geothermal energy. Well, the best drillers in the world are like Exxon and Shell, right? What if, what you know, I don't know if it's possible, but could we take their technical capacity and analyze the, the ground around 127 million American homes figure out which parts of the country we should drill so that we can move a hundred million buildings entirely off of fossil fuels and move them to geothermal energy. Like Exxon could do that. And I don't, I don't know if there's another company in the whole world that could other than one of these big oil companies. Right. So part of the question is like, is there an economically productive thing that's also environmentally productive Thing that we can do with these oil companies and their staff and their data and their software and their billions and billions of dollars and their ex- experience.
0: With companies like that behind the mission, things could be a lot different. But as it is, companies like Block Power are subject to things like cyclical interest. When
1: I was starting my company in 2012, 2013, we, we couldn't raise a dime because Silicon Valley had had a clean tech fad or trend in like 2008 2009 2010 um, and they lost all their money because they made bad investments that didn't work out for the most part and so they stopped investing in clean energy right so it was like a fad and a trend people were into it then all of a sudden they weren't so no one wanted to invest in clean energy and I remember going into a, a VC meeting and they say look we like you we like your business except We have a policy of not investing in clean energy because people have lost so much money in it. So my concern is you don't want clean energy investments to be this kind of cyclical, up and down, you know, unreliable investment class. You want it to be like I said, you want it to be like the mortgage industry, like, or or you described the vice industry. Stable returns, even in an economic crisis, you're going to make money from your clean energy investments. Like, that's where we need things. And so it's great to see people who are kind of hopping on the bandwagon because the more brilliant people that we have thinking about clean energy in a serious way, the better. But it, we, we want it to be serious, right? We need like serious people with serious thoughts and serious solutions and serious capital and serious commitment because we've got serious problems.
0: Our guest today has been Donnell Baird, CEO of Block Power. Thank you, Danelle. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate and review if you haven't already. There's more episodes, of course. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts, as well as 74andwest.com. That's 74andwest.com, where you can also learn about the bespoke client and employee intelligence services that 74andwest provides. Until next time, be well.